Chapter Twenty One of the Flight of the Shadow. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Tibby. The Flight of the Shadow by George MacDonald. Chapter Twenty One A Foiled Attempt. The morning after my uncle's return came a messenger from Rising with his lady's compliments asking if mr witchcote could tell her anything of her son he had left the house unseen during a feverish attack and as she could get no tidings of him she was in great anxiety she had accidentally heard that he had made mr witchcote's acquaintance and therefore took the liberty of extending to him the inquiry she had already made everywhere else among his friends my uncle wrote in answer that her son had come to his house in a high fever that he had been under medical care ever since, and that he hoped in a day or two he might be able to return. If he expressed a desire to see his mother, he would immediately let her know, but in the meantime it was imperative he should be kept quiet. From this letter, Lady Carnage might surmise that her relations with her son were at least suspected. Within two hours came another message, that she would send a closed carriage to bring him home the next day. Then, indeed, were my uncle and I glad that we had come for although martha would certainly have defended the sentinel to her utmost she might have been sorely put to it if his mother proceeded to carry him away by force my uncle in reply begged her not to give herself the useless trouble of sending to fetch him in the state he was in at present it would be tantamount to murder to remove him and he would not be a party to it when i yielded my place in the sick-room to martha and went to bed my heart was not only at ease for the night but i feared nothing for the next day with my uncle on my side or rather on john's side we were just rising from our early dinner for we were old-fashioned people when up drove a grand carriage with two strong footmen behind and a servant in plain clothes on the box by the coachman it pulled up at the door and the man on the box got down and rang the bell while his fellows behind got down also and stood together a little way behind him my uncle at once went to the hall but no more in time for there was penny already on her way to open the door he opened it himself and stood on the threshold if you please sir said the man not without arrogance we're come to take mr day home tell your mistress returned my uncle that mr day has expressed no desire to return and is much too unwell to be informed of her ladyship's wish begging your pardon sir said the man we have her ladyship's orders to bring him we'll take every possible care of him the carriage is an extra easy one and i'll sit inside with the young gentleman myself if he ain't right in his head he'll never know no thing till he comes to himself in his own bed my uncle had let the man talk but his anger was fast rising i cannot let him go i would not send a beggar to the hospital in the state he is in but indeed sir you must we have our orders if you fancy i will dismiss a guest of mine at the order of any human being were it the queen's own majesty said my uncle i heard the words and with my mind's eyes saw the blue flash of his as he said them you will find yourself mistaken please sir said the man quietly but i have my orders let me pass please it is my business to find the young gentleman and take him home no one can have the right to keep him against his mother's will especially when he's not in a fit state to judge for himself happily i am in a fit state to judge for him said my uncle coldly i dare not go back without him let me pass he returned raising his voice a little and approaching the door as if he would force his way 
i ought to have mentioned that as my uncle went to the door he took from a rack in the hall a whip with a bamboo stock which he generally carried when he rode his answer to the man was a smart though left-handed blow with the stock across his face they were too near for the thong he staggered back and stood holding his hand to his face his fellow-servants who during the colloquy had looked on with gentlemanlike imperturbability made a simultaneous step forward my uncle sent the thong with a hiss about their ears they sprang toward him in a fury but halted immediately and recoiled he had drawn a small sword-like weapon which i did not know to be there from the stock of the whip he gave one swift glance behind him i was in the hall at his back shut the door orba he cried i shut him out and ran to a window in the little drawing-room which commanded the door never had i seen him look as now his pale face pale no longer but flushed with anger neither indeed until that moment had i ever seen the natural look of anger the expression of pure anger there was nothing mean or ugly in it not an atom of hate but how his eyes blazed go back he cried in a voice far more stern than loud if one of you set foot on the lowest step and i will run him through the men saw he meant it they saw the closed door and my uncle with his back to it they turned and spoke to each other the coachman sat immovable on his box they mounted and he drove away i ran and opened the door my uncle came in with a smile he went up the stair and i followed him to the room where the invalid lay we were both anxious to learn if he had been disturbed he was leaning on his elbow listening he looked a great deal more like himself i knew you would defend me sir he said with a respectful confidence which could not but please my uncle you did not want to go home did you he asked with a smile i should have thrown myself out of the carriage answered john that is if they had got me into it but please tell me sir he went on how is it i find myself in your house i have been puzzling over it all the morning i have no recollection of coming you understand i fancy rejoined my uncle that one of the family has a notion she can take better care of you than anybody else is that not enough to account for it hardly sir belorba cannot have gone and rescued me from my mother how do you know that belorba is a terrible creature when she is roused but you have talked enough shut your eyes and don't trouble yourself to recollect as you get stronger it will all come back to you then you will be able to tell us instead of asking us to tell you he left us together i quieted john by reading to him and absolutely declining to talk you are a captive the castle is enchanted speak a single word i said and you will find yourself in the dungeon of your own room he looked at me an instant closed his eyes and in a few minutes was fast asleep he slept for two hours and when he woke was quite himself he was very weak but the fever was gone and we had now only to feed him up and keep him quiet end of chapter twenty one